Leonard said in my office as I shared with him that some saint had passed away and he always got a big grin on his face and said, it's graduation day for them. And then his eyes would sparkle and that laugh, I'll never forget Joel's laugh. We're going to miss Joel, but I want you to know he's in a better place. He's graduated. He's been promoted. We've had a couple of our dear saints pass away. Uh, Maxine Harrison, who has been faithful for 30-some years, uh, really one of the most faithful uh, leaders of our women Bible studies in the 30 years I've been here. And a prayer warrior, Maxine used to run our prayer room. Man, what a wonderful, wonderful lady. Maxine, as you know, passed away. Her service will be here at the church Thursday at 1 o'clock. This Thursday, service for Maxine Harrison. Man, I'm going to miss that lady too. And then Joe's memorial will be two weeks from yesterday. So that's September 14th. It's a Saturday. It'll be at 2 o'clock, and it'll also be here. So I hope that you will keep those families in your prayers, and I hope that if you're uh, able to, you'll come and you will uh, give honor to those who uh, have laid the way for us. I've said it so often, we all stand on the shoulders of someone else. Yeah. Well, this morning, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Psalm 125. If you don't have a Bible, and if you have an iPad or a smartphone, you can go to Uversion, go to Events, and you can find the outline, or you can just look up on the screen. Psalm 125 is... Um, what they call a psalm of ascent, a psalm of ascent. It's a song that pilgrims or Israelites would sing as they went to Jerusalem. During this era, during the old uh, covenant, uh, Jews were required to make a pilgrimage, uh, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year. You know how the Muslims all go to Mecca one time a year? Well, in this era, the Jews all went to Jerusalem, and they had to go three times a year. And as they went, because Jerusalem was high in the mountains, uh, they would have to ascend to Jerusalem. And it said that they would sing with their families certain songs that we know as the songs of ascent. And in your Bible, there's Psalm 120 through 134. Those are the songs that they would sing as they went to Jerusalem. So this is a song of ascent, Psalm 125. I'd like for you to stand as we read the word of the Lord this morning. Just think that is good as we respect his word and ask the Holy Spirit to use the word to change our lives today. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. Now think about that. They are marching. They are, they are walking. They are hiking up into the mountains, into this area we know as Jerusalem. And there's Mount Zion. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. See, it's a visual for them. We're going to end today by receiving communion, which is a way that we visualize the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This was a visualization for them. They will not be defeated, but they will endure forever. Now, who's it talking about there? 
It's talking about those who trust in the Lord, right? Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated. The they refers to those who trust in the Lord. And I want you to understand today, it doesn't say those who believe in the Lord. There's a difference between believing in the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And my prayer is that all of us will leave this place with a firm resolve to trust in the Lord so that we will not be defeated, so we will endure forever. Verse 2 says, Just as the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. O Lord, do good to those who are good, whose hearts are in tune with you, but banish those who turn to crooked ways, O Lord. Take them away with those who do evil. May Israel have peace. Heavenly Father, in the next half hour, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come and be our teacher. Lord, we all have some sense of belief in you or we wouldn't be in this church building this morning. But God, I pray that you will help us to move from a belief to a total trust that we will be secure, that we will not be defeated, that we will be as secure as those Mount Zion. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Just a couple weeks ago, I had a a real honor to bury a lady here at the Wenatchee Cemetery by the name of Sylvia Oust Wheeler. I had not seen Sister Wheeler for probably 20 years, but I had talked to her on the phone many times. She had prayed with me many times. Sylvia was the wife of Jim Wheeler. Jim and Sylvia Wheeler came into our church in the late 1980s, the early 1990s. It was one of the most... uh, One of the most difficult times of my ministry as I adjusted to being a lead pastor, as there was people that were trying to adjust to my personality, and and the Lord knew I needed some encouragement, and sent this wonderful couple that some of you might remember, the Wheelers. Jim had preached up and down the Okanagan Valley. He had preached in Chelan and Paterist and Brewster, and he had been involved in the old uh, Church of God out in Leavenworth. He was a wonderful, wonderful man, and they meant so much to me. They embraced me. I was in their home many times, and Sylvia would bake bread or cinnamon rolls. And Jim would take his big Bible out, and he would encourage me to stay true to Jesus, to stay true to my vision, stay true to the Word of God. I buried Jim Wheeler in 1991. It's a long time ago. Sylvia moved to the coast. She later remarried. I went to India in 1992 because Jim had meetings scheduled to preach at, and he had died, and Sister Wheeler said, I think he would want you to go in his place. And through their estate, they sent me to India to preach. And then she presented me with Jim's Bible. I didn't bring it this morning. I should have. I used it two weeks ago when I buried her 
it's a big 20-pound King James Bible. And it's an outline Bible. And it's in a notebook Bible, so you can, you know, open it up, and, and all of his sermon notes were in that Bible. And this sermon that I'm giving to you today is an honor of Jim Wheeler because it's one of the outlines. You've heard other outlines in the past and maybe not knew that. But today, I want to give, I want to give honor to, to Jim and to Sylvia Wheeler. And I want us to understand that it's not enough to believe in God. Brother Wheeler called this particular sermon established in God. Established in God. See, it's not enough to believe. The Bible says even demons believe. A lot of people believe in Jesus, but they've never given their heart to him. A lot of people believe in Jesus, they've given their heart to him, but they haven't crossed over to that point of trusting him. They're always questioning him. They're always trying to figure things out. They're never at peace. They always seem to be agitated. I trust that each of us will be established in God. So that no matter what comes, no matter how stormy life gets, no matter how sick your body is, that you will trust in the Lord. Joel was like that. The last couple months, as is obvious, his body was shutting down. Man, his spirit remained strong, and he trusted in the Lord. The people who are fully trusting the Lord are the people the Bible calls established in the Lord. They're established. What does that mean? It means you're settled. You're settled in. You're not moving. You're firm. You're solid. You don't care what other people say. You don't care what you are feeling. You don't care what the circumstances are. You are not going anyplace. You are established. That's what we loved about Joe. That's what we loved about Maxine. That's what I loved about Brother Wheeler. They gave me strength because they were as solid as they come in their trust in God. They were grounded. They were rooted and friends, that's important for all of us because we all have prayers that aren't being answered the way that we want them answered. We all have aches and pains and we ask Jesus to heal our bodies and we still have aches and pains. We see well-known Christian leaders walking away from the faith. We see pastors and evangelists falling into immorality. We see people who are ridiculed and teased and persecuted, even killed for their faith. Those things happen because we live in a sinful world. Those things will happen. Jesus said, on this earth, you will have trials. You will have tribulations. And you can believe in God and still be kind of blown around by every wind of emotion that comes your way. But God has something greater for us. He wants all of us to be established. And the way we're established 
is to trust in the Lord. Again, it's not a matter of belief. It's a matter of trust. Believing is not trusting. There's a difference. Man, when circumstances arise and things get rough, when you're put on the spot, when you're in the valley, when you're in the fiery furnace, when you're in that fog of confusion, that fog of pain, your mouth might declare, well, I believe, but often there's an absence of trust in your heart. You say it because it's the right thing to say, but you don't really believe it. And friends, God wants our mouth and our heart to line up. It's out of our heart that we confess. There needs to be a lack of agreement. And God wants us to trust Him and Him alone. Psalm 40 talks about trust. I did a little little work on that psalm this week, and I found out if you look at the grammatical structure, you'll find when God says to trust Him, it is exactly what it means. It doesn't mean to acknowledge Him. It doesn't mean to believe in Him. It means to trust Him. See, if you believe, there's got to be an action. You have to do something. It's not really optional. It's kind of a requirement of belief. But there are times for all of us that we simply can't believe the way that we want to believe. That's why it says in the Word as plainly as it does that at times that you're going through difficulty, you simply need to trust. I love the the transparency, the honesty of the story in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, there's a man who has a son who is demon-possessed. And man, you know, this, this demon throws this son into the fire, into the water. And, and the father brought the little boy to the disciples and said, Man, can you do something? Can you cast the devil out of this boy? And they tried, and they, they weren't able to. And in Mark 9, it says the man came to Jesus, and he, he cried out. And, uh, in fact, look at that verse, Mark 9, verse 24. The father instantly cried out when Jesus said, do you believe? And he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now, how many of you can relate to that? Well, I sure can. There are times that I say, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm wavering because I haven't crossed that line to total trust. And we find ourselves in those types of situations often. We believe, but we also doubt. And generally, it's because we can't figure it out. Our Western intellect wants this nice linear uh, thought system where you do this and you do this and this is going to happen. I mean, this book is written in an Eastern culture. Christianity is an Eastern religion. Now, we've tried to Westernize it. But man, we've got to think a little bit differently if we want to fully embrace what the Word is saying about trust. You don't have to figure it out to trust. 
Did you hear me? You do not have to figure it out. If it doesn't fit into your theological box, forget about it. It doesn't matter. God is God. God will do what God wants to do. And so often we see God doing these marvelous things and we say, well, that can't be because that's not the way we believe. Can we just trust God? Can we just trust God? Proverbs 3, 5, very familiar portion of Scripture. It says, trust in the Lord. Again, not believe in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Sometimes we just don't know. And sometimes you'll never understand what God's doing in your life. But he's always working, and it's always for your good. You might say, I, I don't understand why I'm in this valley, why I'm depressed, why I'm on the brink of bankruptcy, why these wonderful, valuable relationships have been fractured. I don't understand these things. And as long as we try to figure it out, we're going to be frustrated. And we'll never come to that place of just saying, I don't have to understand to trust. You do not have to understand to trust. Sometimes you just won't know. And it's in a case like that that you just need to choose. Do you choose to trust or do you choose to continue to grapple with something that you'll never figure out? We've got to put our trust in him. As the old song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. If you can't trust, you're always going to have these loose ends. You're always going to deal with that unbelief even though you believe. I showed this last week, but Gracie uh, drew a picture a couple weeks ago. And man, this is so good. Man, th this is just what I'm trying to help us understand. There's doubt and there's faith. Now, there's belief and there's trust. Okay, substitute belief for doubt and substitute trust for faith. And I love the way she summarized this sermon from a couple weeks ago. You choose. <laughs> you choose. It's our free will. Gracie says, I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to choose faith. Man, I want to choose faith. I want to choose to trust God. Now, the difficulty here is we tend to choose however we feel. <laughs> Instead of choosing to trust what the Word says. That's one thing I loved about Joe Leonard. He always went back to the Word. So often we choose to trust our feelings. Well, I don't feel good about this. Well, I feel sick. Well, I know nothing's going to come good out of that because whatever. But instead, today we need to choose to trust what God has told us, that he's for us, not against us, that he's here to give us abundant life, that he'll be with us no matter what. We need to choose to 
act with faith, with complete trust, not by our feelings, not by the circumstances. Doesn't matter what the circumstances tell you. Choose to trust God. And we can trust God to a greater degree as we continue to know him better. And that's the second point I want to make today. To trust God is to know him. To know his character. Knowing that he will never leave you. Knowing that he loves you unconditionally. Knowing that God will never hurt you. Knowing that he'll never do you a wrong. Anytime. Knowing that he will cause whatever happens in your life, good or bad, no matter what led up to it, he will use all things for your good. Romans 8, 28, 29, if you will trust in him. Knowing he's a good God, he wants to redeem, he wants to restore, he wants to give. Even when you don't understand the circumstances. You don't trust in the circumstances. You trust in God's character. And you declare, I will trust you at all times. It's like sometimes children do things their parents tell them to do solely based upon the trust they have in the parent. They don't understand as they go to the doctor and they have to get an injection. Man, they, they don't understand why that's necessary, but they trust their parents. Sometimes your employer or your doctor, man, doctors write prescriptions all the time, and most of us are clueless. We just trust them. Oh, okay, I'll take two of those a day and I'll feel better. We don't know. Could be a sugar pill. More than likely, it's some chemical the pharmaceutical companies are pushing to make more profit, and it's just poison. <laughs> we don't know, but we trust our doctor. Why can't we trust God? Man, I've been with a lot of people who have gone through chemotherapy. And for many of them, their physical body gets weaker and worse before it gets better. They get sicker than they were before they started the chemo. But they have a level of trust. And very, very often, you see them turn that corner, and pretty soon they begin to feel better. And ultimately, they conquer that cancer that's in their body. And then, yes, they actually receive what they had hoped for. But they had to trust during the valley. See, trust in many ways is passive. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just that we are going to trust in the integrity of God. When you see a person setting themselves up in Jesus and really really trusting. You see a person who is established. Psalm 37. Take a quick look at that. Verses 3, 4, and 5. Psalm 37. 
trust in the Lord and do good, and then you will live safely in the land and you'll prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Trust him, and he will help you. Man, when you are established, when you are fully trusting, he's going to help you. And you're going to have a ton of blessings that will follow you. And that's my third point. I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to be a comprehensive list of blessings. But as you trust in the Lord, blessings will follow. Psalm 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. You will be blessed. Who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. I want to propose to you, sometimes our feeling can be a false god. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes our feelings can be a false god. Our riches, our possessions, the way that we feel like our doctrine is the true doctrine, it can become a false god to us. Sometimes our talents and our skills, our friends, our government, politicians and preachers, and sometimes it's our logic. And we think, well, if we can understand it, then we'll trust it. That means that you're setting your logic up as a false god. The Bible said, and we already read it, we don't lean on our own understanding as followers of Jesus. We trust in him. Blessed is the person who makes the Lord his trust. Trust in him at all times. And God's a refuge for us. Even when you don't understand. And I want to propose to you, even when you don't believe. As the man in Mark 9 confessed. You can trust him. You can run to him. That's when you move into being established in your faith. And nothing, nothing is going to cause you to waver. When you trust God, when you come into what Hebrews calls a place of rest, which is a whole nother blessing. Don't you love it when you talk to people whose life is just in a whirlwind and man, everything is is going crazy on them and they're just calm and they're peaceful and they say well you know I'm just trusting the Lord I know he's going to see me through this you know I've been through enough to know that Jesus is enough I love being around those kind of people but far too many of us who are believers are panicked when things aren't going well and we think something's wrong instead of just having that peace that passeth all human understanding and trusting him. That's another blessing. Rest, <laughs> peace, if we will simply trust the Lord. Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fear in this case means a reverence toward the Lord, an awe of the Lord, a respect of the Lord, and in essence, a trust of the Lord that he knows what he's doing in your life. A trust. You fear him. You trust him. You revere him. And Psalm 115, verse 11 says, All you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. Because why? He's your helper and he's your shield. I've thought a lot this past week about various situations. I think, as I said, when I had the opportunity to do the graveside for Sister Wheeler, and I thought about Brother Wheeler, and I just kind of reminisced 25 years of ministry, 33 years here when I had you first assembly. And I just want to tell you from my personal observation in pastoral ministry, those that are best at trusting God seem to be the most content people I know. They also seem to be the most forgiving people I know. The most kind people I know the most generous people I know, the most loving people I know. You think of a Joe Leonard and how he's impacted your life over the last 12 or 15 years. You think of a Maxine Harrison who's impacted our life for the last 28 or 30 years. You think about the Virgil Browns who are still here with us, yet have established themselves to the point of really knowing, hey, I can trust God no matter what. Those are the people I have found that have not only been content, but they've been forgiving, they've been gracious, they've been generous, they've been loving. That's where I want to be. I want to move from being a believer in the Lord to being firmly established, to trusting God. And I want to invite you to join me today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I have no clue. But we've all come with something on our mind. A loved one, a marriage, a disease, financial burden, and maybe all of us have tried to figure out, well, how's this going to work out? As we receive communion today, I just want you to place not your belief, but your trust in the Lord. Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. Trusting the Lord doesn't believe that everything's going to go the way you want it to. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out the way you want it to. Or that God is going to explain everything to you. He's God. What trust really looks like 
is that no matter what happens, you're going to turn toward him and not away from him. You're going to trust his nature. You're going to trust his integrity. And I know talking about trust is a lot easier than doing it. I've got things in my life that today when I take communion, I'm going to do my best to trust in God. And that's what communion's all about. It's symbolic of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And when they put Jesus in the tomb, he was dead. Can you imagine the darkness? Can you imagine the sadness? Can you imagine the confusion? This guy who was going to come and be our Messiah, and he's dead. But as you take communion this morning, remember, he didn't stay in that tomb. And if you trust in God, whatever is dead in your life today, whatever you're wrestling with today, will not always be like that. So communion today is symbolic of not only the death and resurrection of Jesus, but I encourage you, as you receive communion today, to trust him with those things that are heavy on your heart. As the worship team comes back, one last scripture. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 4. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Our auditorium hosts are coming.